0: The Tanya for today, Khaf Aleph Teves, the 21st of Teves, is in Yud Beis, chapter 12. It's on page 175, and it's in the middle of the description of the Benani. The Al-Quribbe says a Benani is someone who has never sinned and never will sin. Because of the commitment to the Master of the Universe, And because he knows who the boss is, he cannot sin. He cannot transgress, even though his emotions are not necessarily holy. And he has an appetite for unholiness. Yet, he dismisses the appetite, and he does only what is permissible, because he recognizes who the master is. Because the Ebersted is the Balabas. And although during davening, when he's concentrated on godliness, when his mind is on godliness, then the love that he feels for God can overflow and and silence the emotions of the animal soul. So that for the duration of davening, he feels like a tzaddik, in that he feels only holy feelings, only an attraction and a love for God, not for anything else. But as soon as the Davening is over, the, the animal soul is like it wakes up from a sleep and it comes back and once again desires what it desires. And then it's as if he hadn't Davened at all. However, Treshir, page one hundred seventy five. Mishpatamluchamemshalob. <laughs> but because it, the animal soul, does not have uh, rights and control over the body, it therefore can't exercise its desire and bring it from potential to actual, to clothe itself in the limbs of the body, in in actual, Speech, thought and deed. Thought, speech and deed. What does it mean actual thought? <speaking in Hebrew> the animal soul doesn't prevail on the person on the Bainani to dwell on the thought of this pleasurable attraction <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in order to contemplate how to fulfill that desire Ki shalit al because the mind governs the heart. That this control that the brain has over the heart is not something you acquire through great effort. It is rather the natural condition through which a person is born. In other words, even as the heart, the animal soul heart, desires what it desires, the Benani can say no and do the opposite, which means that the feelings that we have and the behavior in which we engage are really two independent things and one need not lead to the other. Because a feeling, an impulse, is a tendency. It draws the person in a certain direction. But it is not a conclusion or a decision. Decisions are made in the mind. So the mind, by nature, has the control because it still has to decide what to do about the feeling of the heart. When the feeling of the heart becomes itself the decision, then we're talking about an animal in whom the emotions dictate and the mind serves. Whereas in a human being, by very nature and the very um, properties, that God gives a human being, the mind controls the heart. Not that it can change the heart. The mind controls the heart, meaning that after the heart makes its suggestion and voices its opinion, the decision is made by the mind. This is how a person is formed at birth that every person is able by virtue of the will in his mind to be able to refrain and to govern over the impulses of the heart. Which means that the will within the mind is stronger than the will in the heart. The will in the heart is merely an attraction whereas the will in the mind is an actual decision. So because of the will in the mind, the person is able to refrain or restrain himself and to govern the dictates of the heart. (laughs) To what degree can he control the heart? Not Not to the degree of changing the dictates of the heart. To change what the heart wants or what the heart is attracted to. But it has the control in that it doesn't pursue that which the heart requests in thought, speech, or deed. Every emotion wants something, otherwise it's a it's a useless emotion and should be rejected out of hand. but a a, a real emotion wants something. It wants a thought, it wants a a, a word spoken or it wants an act. And that want need not be obeyed because the mind controls the heart. And so he's capable of not fulfilling what the heart desires. (inaudible) And he can completely remove the feeling or the suggestion coming from the heart. He can remove it from his mind completely and do the exact opposite or think the exact opposite. And this is true of all issues in human in the human experience, whatever it is that a human being is involved with, there are the feelings, and then there's the opinion of the mind and in all cases, the opinion of the mind is the decisive factor, whereas the heart is merely a tendency here, in the case of the Bainani, there is another virtue, another uh, characteristic of a of the of the Jew that allows the Bainani to do the opposite of what the heart dictates and that is that just as the mind governs the heart in that the mind is the decider and the heart is merely an opinion the same is true also in the relationship between holy and unholy unholiness in in all cases and in all of its all the forms that it takes is merely an opinion. A yetsahara is nothing more than an attraction. Unholiness exists in general anywhere in the universe as an attraction or distraction. That's its only function. It never, by its very nature, has the power to decide and to and to draw conclusions. And so holiness is the deciding factor. Unholiness is merely a distraction. So in the Bainanese case, where he is turning away from the heart and doing what the mind says, he also has the ver- the benefit of turning towards holiness away from unholiness. And in that too, there is a ruling power and a suggestive power. The ruling power is holiness, unholiness is merely a suggestion and particularly when you turn from unholiness to holiness when you bring in that element then it's even easier for the Benoni to do what his mind tells him and not what his heart tells him. There's a famous story about the Barditcheve where a chosid came to the Rebbe and asked for a tikkun in that he had sinned with a woman and he assured the Badicheva that before they had sinned, the woman had gone to the Mikra. When the Badicheva heard this, he stood up and he said, Seven days you waited to sin? I can't help you. And he threw him out of the room. The chassid was very shaken and eventually made his way to, uh, to Lajna, to the Altid Ebb. He told the Altid Ebb what had happened. And the Al Tadebba gave him a tikkun. When he came back to the Badichava, he told the Bhaditchava that he had gone to the Altadebun, and that the Al had not been as upset and as distraught as the Baditheva had been, and he had given him a, a, a tikkun without without throwing him out. So the Badichava said the meaning the Altadeban, the Machutn had breathed the places. What the story means is that when the Choset came to the Badiqeva and said that he had sinned, the Badiqeva was ready to give him a Tikkun. But when he added that he had committed a lesser sin, but had been careful not to commit a greater sin, in that she had gone to the mikveh, this the Badiqeva rejected. This he couldn't, he couldn't remedy. He said seven days he waited to sin. In order for her to go to the mikvah, they had to count seven days. So they had planned for seven days to commit the sin. And in the course of these seven days, the mind was not able to regain control and stop him from sinning. Which means that had he said that he had gotten carried away and the emotions had overwhelmed him and he had sinned, for this the could give him a tikkun. But when he said that they cold-bloodedly, premeditatedly, counted off seven days, waiting to sin, and during all that time the mind could not regain control, then it's not the heart that is causing the sin. It's the mind that is sinning. This the Badicheva could not remedy. When he came to the Al because the Al Tadeva Shita is Chabad, the Al gave him a tikkun. And that's what the Badicheva meant that the Mahutan had the plates, that the emotions which are represented by the plates, by the shoulders, by the al are breyte places. They are through Chabad, inf- they're influenced by Chabad, by Chochma, Bin and Das. And therefore, even if a person's mind has become corrupted, the, the al was able to find him a The Beinani that we're talking about here in Tanya is a Beinani because his mind controls his heart. And his mind is always in the right place in his mind he knows the truth and therefore the mind will always control the heart particularly since it's a matter of holiness the holiness of the mind in other words the mind and holiness against the heart and unholiness this enables the the Benani to always make the right move to always come to the right decisions regardless of the temptation or of the distraction. What is the virtue, the strength of holiness over unholiness? It says, says, in Kaheles, I have seen that there is an advantage to wisdom over foolishness as there is an advantage to light over darkness. And this means that I have seen meaning from my life's experience, Sholem HaMelech says, after all my study and after all my observations and and experience, I have come to a final conclusion. And that is that there is an advantage to wisdom over foolishness like an advantage of light over darkness, which needs explanation. Because it's rather obvious that it's Wisdom is better than foolishness. And doesn't need to be said at all. It certainly doesn't need an analogy by which to explain it. To compare it to light over darkness is certainly not necessary. So there must be a deeper meaning here. And that's why the Al Rebbe says, Pirush. Pirush means there's a whole new insight. Pirush, what this means is, that the point that the, that Shleiman Melech is trying to make is not that wisdom is better than foolishness, but that wisdom governs foolishness. And the same is true with light and darkness. So he explains that just as light has a superiority over darkness, in that it controls and governs the darkness. How do we see that? <laughs> First of all, a little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. So we see not that one is better than the other, that one is preferable, but that one governs the other. That where there is light, there cannot be darkness. Even a little bit of light displaces a lot of darkness. That's the first thing. The second power that dark that light has over darkness is that when... A little bit of light displaces the darkness. Is shenitche mimenu me'elov umemelam that the darkness is displaced without effort, effortlessly. By the very fact that the light is present, the darkness is displaced. Not that the light struggles to displace the darkness. In the same way. Foolishness, which is the animal soul in the left side of the heart, is displaced by a little bit of wisdom, meaning a little bit of godly soul, and it is displaced without effort. We find that the animal soul is called foolishness because the Gemara says a person doesn't sin unless he's overcome with foolishness, temporary insanity. And this Foolishness is automatically, effortlessly displaced by the wisdom of the godly soul which is in the mind. This displacement of darkness by light, of foolishness by wisdom, comes as a result of the fact that the original existence of the darkness, and the same also with the foolishness, comes indirectly in some way from the light from the wisdom itself. So it's because the light gives the darkness its existence in the first place that's why it governs and controls and rules over the darkness and when the light comes back the darkness disappears effortlessly because it recognizes its master. How does light give existence to darkness, when we define darkness as the absence of light, then light allows for darkness to exist by the fact that it doesn't occupy all places. If the light chose to occupy all places, then there would be no darkness. So in a way, darkness exists by permission from the light. And the same is wisdom and foolishness. Foolishness or ignorance Unholiness exists only because holiness limits itself and doesn't fill all places and all spaces. If God had revealed holiness everywhere endlessly without restraint, then there would be no unholiness. So unholiness comes by permission from holiness. So when the holiness comes back and reclaims its place, there is no argument from unholiness. It recognizes its creator so to speak, it recognizes its master and it obediently relinquishes the place or the space to the light, to the wisdom. So when the godly soul shines forth by its wisdom, with its wisdom, from the mind, the foolishness in the heart is silenced and displaced automatically. I should say, no, it is the will of the godly soul it wants to govern exclusively in the city in the body the and through its three garments thought, speech and deed of teda and mitzvahs it wants to clothe itself through those garments in the entire body so that there is no room anywhere in the body for unholiness tayag mitzvah which are the thought, speech, and deed of Teira and Mitzvah, as mentioned earlier. And therefore, when the godly soul reclaims its space, its space being the entire body, because it wants to rule, it wants to fill, it wants to clothe itself in the entire body. And when it does so, the animal soul relinquishes all claim to the body and allows the godliness to shine. In the Hayem Yeim, for the 21st of Teves, the Rebbe writes, that Kveit Kedushas Admor Shlita, meaning Yisridike Rebbe, Poga B'Nesed Liyim Malayim Mayim. He met a man carrying buckets full of water. The Yeim Arani said, me Bagegen vaser Zog De that the Baal says, that when you meet, when you come across water, as neba vases so the Baal Shem-tif says that when you meet water, when you come across water, one is to say, as the Baal zogt, is a One is supposed to say that the Baal Shem-tif says that it's a sign of bracha. You could venture uh, an explanation here, or an insight. Water, is the element from which the animal soul produces passion. So it is the essence of the animal soul. Water is also symbolic of wisdom, of seichol, of chachma, of the mind. When the Baal says that when you meet water you should say that it's a sign of blessing, the possible meaning or explanation is that water can go either way, it can either be a symbol of the animal soul, of unholiness, or it can be a symbol of holiness, of the mind. Therefore, the Baal Shem Tev says, in other words, based on Hasidus, based on the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev, the Baal Shem Tev says that when you meet water, it's a sign of blessing. That water represents the mind, the Seichel, and the Benani. Is a Benani due to the fact that he uses his mind to control his heart. And through meyach shalet al-halev, water becomes a blessing.